Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I've been looking forward to this one. I get to introduce you to uh, a very special guest, someone who I've known uh, on and off for many years. We've spoken at uh, some of the same conferences and I've also heard just amazing things um, about him uh, from friends and people I know. So you're in for a real treat. He is a sixth generation shaman and the author of the bestseller Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your pa- Personal Power, Transform Yourself and Light Up the World. So I hope you're ready for an amazing episode. Take great notes. Let's jump in. Welcome to Soul Talk, Shaman Durek. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Kut. Um, you know how much I honor you and respect you and just appreciate everything that you do in this world. And it's nice to be on this planet with you and to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. You know, I would love to, I, there's a lot I want to ask you because uh, my understanding, you have quite an interesting life. You've had quite an interesting existence in this incarnation. And so That's I want to, to delve into that and just share some of your wisdom with folks. Um, I also love to just would love to begin at the beginning and get a sense of like, how did you become a shaman? How does that happen? That's not a traditional path. Like, yeah, I want to study engineering. Oh yeah. I like to study shamanism. I mean, maybe the day will come, but tell me a bit about that process. Well, shamanism and and African spirituality has existed in my family for many, many, many centuries, Um, all the way going back to my family when they first arrived from Africa to New Orleans, Nolens to uh, to me. And so the gifts that I had imbued upon me since I was a kid demonstrated to my family that I was the next in line shaman, that I had the gifts. And the way that we actually interpret shamanism is basing on certain aspects of the ancestors showing up, um, presenting themselves to me as a little kid, certain wisdoms and information that I had as a kid that shows that I am in the family carrying on this lineage. And Mm. what was very fascinating about the whole thing was that my family at that time was very split between the shamanic side of my family, which was still honoring our African roots and our traditions and in Yoruban culture. And then the understanding of my family in the religious side that had kind of walked away from that and went into seven day Adventist. And so they, so it was a big split and it was really challenging because one side of my family was saying, well, you know, he should carry this on because the teachings and the understandings are still within our family and that needs to be brought forth. But Mm -hmm. one of the other side of the family saying, well, you know, we need to modern, we're in a modern living now, you know, we, 
we have to kind of adapt to what's happening on the planet and where is there a role for him to play that role in our family where it was a role for my great great grandmother and for you know my other family members but it wasn't a role that was now existing but i still had the gifts and the abilities and so the way i was shaman durek was because of um, a shaman that came from uh, Peru and also a shaman in Native American culture mm-hmm. called me Shaman Durek. But in truth, in African culture, you're, you're known as a Babalao. And so what I what I always took from a ch- being a child was that I was this, you know, future Babalao in my family. And then I was told I was a shaman by other shamans. And then they just told me, you know, just call yourself Shaman Durek. And that's kind of how Shaman Durek was came about. But in my tradition in African culture, it's, um, it's Babalao. And it's the consciousness of the African wisdom and the teachings that the spirits bring to you. Because a lot of times people think a shaman comes from just a tribe, mm-hmm. where in fact, shamans are born all over the world and not always come from a tribe. It's the spirits that choose the shaman. And then the family recognizes the certain patterns. And then they actually say to the child, you have these gifts and you have these abilities. It's your choice to follow this path mm-hmm. or you can decide to do what you want. And that's kind of how my father kind of put it at first. He was very against it. And then he kind of came back and realized that my powers were getting stronger and stronger. And there needed to be some form of lesson and teachings or I would, you know, because what happens is when you're chosen a shaman, and you don't use your gifts, you become crazy. Mm. So I have family members who have actually gone crazy Interesting. because they don't use their abilities. And I've noticed that a lot in a lot of traditional cultures that if they don't use the gifts that are viewed on them to serve community, serve the people and sharing these wisdoms and these knowledges, you know, um, then they end up going crazy. And it's, it's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing at a very young age, you know, I started going into a lot of um, problems. Like I started becoming very dyslexic. Um, I started, people started thinking I had autism. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I was going into manic depressive, bipolar, like all kinds of different, uh, things that doctors were saying about me. And my other family members were like, no, it's because he needs to use his abilities and he needs to train and he needs to understand why he feels the way he feels and why he's getting these voices and why he feels these feelings and where it comes from. And so once I started training at a young age, around like 11 and 10, I started to. And how do you you start training? Like what? Like. Was there a school you went to? Shaman <laughs> <laughs> school for children. Like what's, what, how, what is that? Like? It's fascinating. So, so your family members start teaching you about, you know, the ways of our people and, um, and the lessons and the understandings of how the mind and the emotions and the spirit operates. So really building a relationship with the ancestors, um, learning how to harness your abilities. So everyone has different abilities. And then it just depends what abilities are more pronounced. And then the ones that are weaker, I would practice on. So so for instance, like my aunt would say to me, you know, can you hear the ancestors speak to you? So yes. Okay. So I have no problem here, but Mm -hmm. can you feel them? If they, if you ask them to come into the room, can you feel their presence? No, I can't. So I had to build my feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you, uh, can you go back and see all of the different things that the ancestors 
um, have gone through that they would know about, but I would never know about. And then I would see that. And then they would see how far my visions can go. And so there was all these different things that I had to do to, to discover my abilities. And then also other things too, for instance, like there's a lot of African wisdom that plays a great deal of, of shamanism in African culture. And it's based on knowing the connection to the spirits. Did the spirits come and connect with you? What have they shared with you? And what have they shared with you? And then they would give me the understanding of what that meant. And so I would start to practice in those ways. And I've started to practice understanding energies. And, and, and I'm a spirit shaman. So there's different types of shamans. A lot of people don't know that. So there's earth shamans that deal with plants and medicines that the earth produces. They are root people. So they understand the way that the roots and the plants communicate. They usually build up a relationship with those plants and yes. then facilitate them in their healing practices if they mm -hmm. need to. Right. Because a real root shaman doesn't just give plants to anyone. Right. Right. They test the person to see mm -hmm. if the plant is really in alignment to with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's and then um, after that, there's water shamans. So water shamans, mm -hmm. you'll find like in Indonesia, the Philippines. Yes. Um, cultures, um, uh, Polynesian cultures, Fiji, you know, different places and water shamans will do blessings and bring certain mm -hmm. energies and communicate with the water. They're very connected to water. Sometimes they'll submerge you in water to the point where mm -hmm. you um, lose your oxygen. Mm -hmm. and at that point, you know, they, you will get visions and, and messages or they'll take water and dump it on you. Yeah. And there's different uh, ways that water shamans operate. Mm. And then and sometimes they'll even put flowers in the water and bless it with these mm. sacred words and then pour it over your head. Yep. And then there are um, fire shamans and fire shamans mm. deal more with heat. They deal more with fire. So they'll do things like sun rituals, fire ceremonies. Um, they'll do uh, like Tamascal and, and mm. some Native American cultures, Peruvian cultures. They'll bring, they'll build like a, an encasement where you go in and you sweat for a huge amount of times so the heat and takes you into these visions and journeys mm -hmm. and releases things that you're holding on to. Mm -hmm. um, other shamans, uh, other fire shamans will have you get so close to the fire where you feel like you're going to get burned. And in that process, you release fears and energies and so, mm -hmm. so forth and so on. And same with earth shamans, they'll bury you in the earth. There's like burial rituals that they do in some of the old uh, traditions. Mm -hmm. And then there is fire shamans. And then on top of that, there's air shamans. Now, air shamans use sound. They use uh, sounds from their throat. Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of the Inuit people, a lot of them are air shamans. They do these throat uh, songs. Uh, different uh, cultures use air shamanism. They use sound. Like the Mende tribe, they use music to activate which is a lot of shaman cultures do, but they use air shamanism, which is like speaking words over you, chanting over you, um, speaking in tongues over you, you yeah, know, type of things. Mm -hmm. Right. And then this affects the system because the body communicates to those codes and frequencies and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then there's spirit shamans and I'm a spirit shaman and a mm -hmm. spirit shaman is one who knows about the spirit world. So we at a young age get confronted 
um, with different spirits that will uh, come to us as children. And then as we develop our abilities, we're supposed to stay in communion with them, communicate mm. to the spirits of the trees, the spirits of the river, uh, the ancestors, the spirits that come to people's homes, the spirits that watch you when you sleep, all kinds mm. of spirits, right? Even ones that people don't want to deal with. Yeah. So, have connection to them. And we don't have an attitude of this is, these are bad. These are good. We have more of an attitude of these are spirits and they're all to be loved mm. regardless of where they're at. If they're dark spirits from what people call dark spirits, we still give them love and we talk to them and we help understand where they're at and how we can support mm. them and, and, and rising into a higher vibration. So, mm. um, air, uh, uh, so spirit shamans deal particularly with um, we can access uh, um, energies in the dimensional fields. Mm. So I can demonstrate that for you um, if you like. Uh, we can also, um, we can listen to people's uh, thinking process and find the things inside that are spinning. We can also, uh, how do you say, um, communicate to the spirits that surrounded certain people. Mm. Um, we can help people open up their abilities. So like, for instance, if there's certain gifts that someone has, we can activate those gifts very quickly mm. where mm. it doesn't take a long period of time where someone would have to like, want to be able to learn how to hear spirit. We would be able to activate that very quickly for them because we're spirit shamans. Got it. Got it. If you, earth, if you were doing earth shamanism, you would have to take, some type of medicine or some type mm -hmm. of frog medicine or something mm -hmm. that comes from the earth mm -hmm. that would give that experience to you and you would have mm -hmm. uh, these experiences and so forth. Let's say someone listening and they're like, wow, this sounds fascinating, but I don't hear shit. I don't feel shit. I don't feel anything. And I don't feel my ancestors. I don't feel spirits. How, is this like, what's the first step that someone listening could do to maybe begin that connection, activating that connection to let's yeah. say, so, let's say their ancestors or, or, or their, their, their spirit guides. Yeah. Anything. Okay. So the first thing we have to understand is that this world has created what is called sensory distraction. Mm -hmm. Sensory distraction means that you are being activated by all kinds of things in your senses of distractions of this world. It could be your cell phone or people in your environment or your problems or expectations or obligations. And so you direct your mind to all of those different things mm -hmm. that are coming up in your thinking and your emotions in your, in, in your environment and what's in front of you, right? So the reason why people don't sense or feel spirits or any of these things, because one, they don't know what it feels like. So they don't know what they're sensing because they haven't been taught to fine tune their sensory apparatus in their system to be able to hone in on those frequencies. Mm -hmm. So let, let me, so one of the things that I teach a lot of my young students who are training in shamanism and a lot of the adults that I, that I spend time helping remember is really creating a, a word that allows you to hone in very quickly. So one of the things that and we can show you right now, if mm. you actually put your hand out right now, Coot, in front of you, mm. okay, and then say this word, say, I want you to acknowledge. I want you to, I want you to acknowledge. The energy that your hand is creating. The energy that my hand is creating. No, 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 not my. And you see how you use uh, my 
You use my because you're programmed to believe that you are this being and it's you. Mm. But the thing is, is that your coding to your system is a you and, and it's a your. Because the way that you were programmed growing mm-hmm. up was no one ever said to you, my this, my that. They said, you are this and you are that. And so a lot of people will use statements like, I am this and I am that. That only, uh, that only contains the, the reality of your reflection into the world of what you mm-hmm. think you're supposed to be and what you want people to see. The you is the core of your multidimensional expression. So it means your mind, your emotions, your body, and your spirit will all pay attention at one time. Mm-hmm. But if you say, I am, the only part that's paying attention is your projected reality. Mm-hmm. So let's do it again. Say, I want you. I want you to acknowledge to acknowledge the energy your hand is creating. The energy your hand is creating. And then tell me what you feel. Does it? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it tingling? Like what's? Yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a subtle uh, sensation in my in the hand. Right now, you're going to say. I want you to acknowledge. I want you to acknowledge. You using your power. You using your power. To increase what you felt. To increase what you felt. Into an energy ball. Into an energy ball. Now what's happening? Well, I definitely feel, I feel a bit more tingling. Mm-hmm. Feels a bit heavier. Okay. Good. Now, being a spirit shaman, right, I can access your energy because it exists in the spirit world because I'm mm. trained in the spirit world. Mm. So tell me when you feel um, your hand starting to vibrate. Give me one second. Yeah, I feel a little something now. Mm-hmm. And tell me when you feel it getting stronger. And just access this level of your being. Yes, I feel uh, getting a little stronger now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And tell me when you become lighter in your body. Yeah, I feel it a bit more now. And tell me when you feel a sensation inside of your body. Mm-hmm. You see? So as a spirit shaman, I can access anything that exists in the spirit mm. world because I'm trained to be able to sense all different levels of frequencies that are moving in and around this universal mm. field. And I'm able to tap into the universal consciousness, the universal emotions, the universal field of intelligence, universal field of connectivity, and be able at any time or space to activate someone's energy. Mm. So, so what that does is for a spirit shaman, it's great because then if someone doesn't know how to hear their ancestors, I can open up the part inside of your, your body that allows you to listen to them. Or mm. perhaps you, you want to learn how to be a Reiki master that everyone's doing. I can tune your system immediately to the Reiki mm. frequencies and you will become a Reiki master with less than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's uh, an accelerated path. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot of... So training. what about intuition? Let's talk about like, like how, how does someone then discern between I'm just making voices in my mind versus this is actually what 
the guidance is 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 nudging me the pure true guidance versus just like my subtle conditioning because sometimes we can convince ourselves that we want something or we're being guided when it's just coming from our conditioning so talk to us about that discernment so yeah so the discernment between communicating to spirit is the same discernment that we have when we communicate to each other right mm -hmm. when you make an uh, a gesture to talk to me right I'm going to respond back to you because you're giving me the respect and the knowledge to say something. I mm. hear it. And then you're also giving me the respect to receive what's going to come from me. Right. That's a natural understanding of human development. Mm. So you are actually interacting with me the same way music interacts with human beings. Mm. Right. Someone sends uh, plays an instrument. The body listens. And then the body will respond if the music is moving the body in a vibrational way that the body feels like it needs to make a movement to respond back to the sound. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are naturally beings that have the capability to listen and, and, and profoundly connect to any form of frequency or energy, be it word or sound or body movement or anything, even facial mm -hmm. expressions we respond to, mm -hmm. right? So the difference is in discerning is that when you go to address a spirit or you asking for the guidance from your guides, you have to give them the same respect that you would if you to give that to me by being open to listen. Mm. But what most people do is they'll try to communicate with their guides. And the reason why I use the word try, because I'm going to use that word because that word is very uh, poignant to what I what they're doing. They're just trying. They're not really doing because the act of doing is the act of respect. It's the act of holding space and it's the act of allowing and receiving. Mm. Right. Mm. So mm. so in that moment, when I go to the spirits and say, hey, spirits, what's a color that's really good for me right now that's going to support me? And they so they showed me purple. Right. I don't go, oh, OK, I just made that up. Right. Because that's mm. disrespectful to the mm. spirit. And so mm. a lot of times why people don't connect with their guides or with the ancestors is because right. they haven't learned enough reverence right. for mm. the unseen. Mm. That's beautiful. That's so that's so the, the, the key word is reverence there. I love that. I love that. You mentioned that there are no good spirits, bad spirits. We just have to learn how to communicate. Now, for those that might see the little uh i don't know scared of the spirit world and and you know dark energies and negative spirits and uh, like one time i was in indonesia and i saw uh, this woman come into a compound and she was foaming and, and and oh she's possessed by a you know a spirit and we have to exercise it and and so i think for some people it can be really scary we got to protect our energies against these spirits and so how, how does one cultivate that again discernment understanding of how to relate to because it it does feel at times that certain vibes are a little heavy or dark or you know a house feels a bit i don't want to say haunted but there's a certain energy of heaviness there and so how, how do we engage these these seemingly dark spirits <laughs> okay so first of all we gotta, <laughs> we gotta do spirit 101 okay yes please so when someone feels a chill or a heaviness or whatever they just associate it to being negative mm. 
because mm. human beings have associated every form of something that's good to something that's very light and fluffy and airy and whatnot. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's evil because it's heavy or it has that kind of vibe in a haunted house or whatever. That's your own interpretation based on the movies television shows and things that you've been, um, you know, you know, given and, and, and programmed with. And a lot of people don't understand the spirit world. So they just are afraid of the unknown altogether. Right. So when, when, when we, when, as shamans, it is our responsibility to help people to understand how the spirit world operates. Okay. Every spirit that is operating out of ill intention is operating mm-hmm. out of ill intention only because it once had a body and it experienced ill intention and became that ill intention. So let me give you an example. Let's say for instance, I'm a human being, okay? And I think down on myself, okay? Well, what human beings don't understand is there's this wonderful thing called free will, which I love, but also can be a, a, a smack in the face as to say, because humans don't quite understand how free will acti- activates in our world. So think of it like this. If I'm thinking bad about myself, Mm. there has to be a spirit to support that. Mm. Now, if I'm thinking good about myself, then there's a spirit that supports that. So if I'm a person, if the woman is coming in foaming at the mouth, when I used to do exorcisms and I studied exorcisms for years, one of the things I was working with this priest in Italy and we were doing these exorcisms and he said to me, you know, I don't understand, um, you know, why these demons are doing these things. And I said, you know, it's very fascinating, but what spirit tells me is that Mm -hmm. this spirit is serving this woman because this woman has not been honest with her truth of what she desires in life or Mm -hmm. who she really is, or, you know, what would make her truly happy. And so she's called in this spirit to one, get attention from the people around her by the spirit possessing her, because that's what possession is. Right. And it's also I have an excuse now to not move forward in my life because some spirits are doing things to me and I'm under attack. Mm. It's easier to blame a spirit on some unseen force and have them come in because all they're doing is saying, hey, yeah, I'm here to serve you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to possess you. Mm. So you don't have to take responsibility for anything. I'm going to put you down because that's what you had done to you when you were a kid. And that's what you keep wanting to be done to you so that you can actually have any reason why you don't choose to move forward. I'm going to make you afraid of everything because you keep calling in fear and that's what I'm here to serve. And then one day when you wake up and realize that you're the one orchestrating all of this through your free will, perhaps maybe you'll send me home to the light. Wow. That's a really powerful way to see it. Right. And so in that case, whenever there's something that shows up, the first thing I ask is, okay, how can I serve you? What's going on? Why are you trying to scare me? Do you think, do you need my light in order to survive in your realm? Because a lot of the beings who turn away from the light, they go into the underworld and the underworld, you still need light in order to exist. So they need to get your light, but they need your light distorted through your own free will of fear lack, limitation, anger, rage, 
Mm. What embarrassment, whatever it is, shame, guilt, whatever it is that makes you tarnish your, your pure light of love, they have to have that so they can survive until they go into the light fully mm. and become mm. what they really are, which is these beautiful beings of light, right? Mm. So a lot of times when, when I was a kid in my training of understanding these, these dark energies, the spirits would, uh, and my ancestors would have me go into what is called descent and descent means go to the underworld. Wow. Know the underworld beings and what it's like for them and what they believe and, you know, how they operate with the world and why they, why does someone have nightmares versus someone who doesn't and, you know, really get into Mm -hmm. their world, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I first went to the underworld as a kid, I was scared because <laughs> and i was you know did you did, were you seeing things or like what what give me oh, a bit yeah, of that I experience like freddy krueger i was in the pipe thing where i was running and freddy krueger was chasing me wow. like every single thing i saw as a kid confronted me in the underworld and so my first test was to remove the illusion that mm-hmm. i've created for them to scare me so it was this awareness of wait a second I put the costume on you to scare Mm. me so you can feed off my energy so you Mm. can survive. So Mm. the moment I got past that test, then my family members were like, okay, now you're going to be visited by spirits. And so all my childhood, I would have this woman lay in my bed and my bed would go down on one side and she would say weird things to me. Mm. I would have spirits come in my room, close the door, open the door, do all kinds of things to bring up these fears. And then one of my trainings that my aunt put me through was to sit in a very dark room Mm. and think about everything I'm afraid of and have it confront me in that darkness. And Mm -hmm. so I did. And it was this really beautiful awakening of realizing that I'm the darkness is the motivator for the light. It's this beautiful amplification Mm. for the light. And what it did was it didn't hurt me. It made me stronger. Mm. It gave me a different way of looking at the stars in the sky. Realize right, right. the stars are shining in the darkness. Right. We have the darkness and the light on our planet for a reason. Mm. There's something mm. so powerful and so majestic mm. about the dark that once you go in it, you actually see the truth of your light Mm. and what your light is doing. Is it bright? Is it big? Is it vibrant? Or is it small and dim like a little candle? Mm -hmm. And so the spirits were just saying, Hey, we're just doing what you're asking us to do because you don't want to take responsibility for the things that you're projecting into this field. Mm. 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 That's deep. That's deep. Right. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, like the darkness amplifies that which I project into it even more. Mm -hmm. So if I shine my light in the darkness, I shine more light. Mm -hmm. And this is why this whole, you know, and so then I started really getting into the yin and yang and getting into a lot of the Asian culture and really understanding that really started getting into Carl Jung, understanding mm-hmm. the philosophies of, you know, the shadow and the dark and what it means to go into that space and what it, mm-hmm. it's not about hating it or disliking it. It's about embracing it. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. embracing that unknown space that that is a space for you to create within if mm-hmm. you 
operate in the, in the, in the right mindset. How does someone deal with talking about dark spirits, addiction? Um, if someone's dealing with, with a sort of addictive energy, whether it's cocaine or whether it's food or wh- whatever the addiction is, and, 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 and they think like, Shaman Durek, I, I, this thing is bigger than me. You know, I just like, like they, they tell you, I really want to break through this, but I, I just don't feel I can. How, how does, because sometimes that energy of addiction feels like a spirit, you know, that something has me. And so what to do? Like, well, how does someone navigate that? Talk to us about addiction. Absolutely. So I've worked with a lot of people from drug addicts to cocaine addicts to heroin addicts to you name it. And even in my own life, I've had my own experiences with addiction. And what I can say in what I learned in myself first, and then what I was able to adapt to other people was that addiction in the mental aspect and the emotional aspect is a way of reclaiming power. Mm. So, so what, so what happens is people feel that the world, the obligations, the circumstances, the expectations, what is being asked of them as a human being, because in truth, if we really look at our world, right, if we were to live a really amazing life on planet earth, the system would have been set up for us to enjoy more of our lives, to have less stress, to not be so concerned about paying the bills Mm -hmm. or dealing with the very basics of human adaptation and development and evolution. Those Mm -hmm. things should be already taken care of for us. Food, shelter, um, and ability to, you know, to thrive should be the number one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then with the rest would be just us exploring and experimenting to be able to develop, to grow and evolve our species. But unfortunately, this planet is built under a hierarchy system. Mm. And so therefore that hierarchy does come with pressure and it does come with society pressure. It comes with individual pressure and it comes with family and friends related pressure. Mm. And so for people, they feel bombarded and they don't even realize that they're highly empathic beings. Mm. Most people who have addictive behavior are what I call acute impasse. They're so empathic. They don't even realize how empathic they are, that they're actually taking on so much burden and pain and suffering from the world that right. the only way to get their power back is to drink, do drugs, hmm. continue down whatever it is, sex addiction, shopping addiction, anything that keeps giving them some uh, release in their uh, endorphins, uh, uh. giving them that serotonin, keep releasing those chemicals, those feel-good chemicals in the body, right? Because the oxytocin that is being generated by those addictive qualities are helping them to cope and take back their power. Mm, 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 mm. So what we don't, what we're not looking at and what people aren't seeing is that addiction is a power grab. It's a power grab. It's mm. no one can tell me otherwise. Cause I get to choose this. Right. I chose. So not- there's a, there's like this uh, positive intention that's us that's maybe unconscious in that. That's so interesting. Mm. Yes, mm. because think about it. If I'm an alcoholic, right? And everyone is the bills are due, this thing is done. I have the, this responsibility, that responsibility, the world mm. and all the stress mm. and the war that people have and the unfairness of my childhood and whatever it may be. Mm. I can drink alcohol 
it's my choice. Yeah. It's something that takes me away from all of that. Addiction is me taking my power. Yeah. It's done in a way of using something to give me power. Is it be smoking or drinking or doing drugs or shopping or having crazy sex or being addicted to porn, mm-hmm. whenever it may be, it's giving me something. And this yep. is what we have to start looking at when we um, shamans look at addiction. We understand that there's this thing called an addiction spirit. Mm. which was a a spirit that also was addictive. And when he died or she died, she chose not to go into the light because they had unfinished business. So they go to the underworld. They look for people who had similar frequencies and then they go and serve them in their addiction because Mm. they were once addicted when they had a human body. So, Mm. so every spirit that um, is doing something to someone on some level is doing it to serve you because you asked for that in your free will. If your free will was not to be addicted, then a spirit would be there to support you in not being addicted. Mm. This is your only power grab. You actually believe that you mm-hmm. can't come out of it because you don't see how all of this empathic energy is going to stop. People wow. who are addictive, if you ever sit down and take six addictive people and go do a whole entire research on how empathic they are, you would find that they are at the highest level of empathy. Mm. That they feel so much of everyone's pain and suffering and the world suffering and the world problems and all of these things that that's why this is their power grab. Wow. So what did they do? What do we do? What what is someone who is listening right now and they feel caught in a alcohol addiction, as an example, or whatever, fill in the blank addiction? Like what's what's this next step or two to start shifting? So the next step is to begin to start understanding the empathy and what empathic energy is and Mm -hmm. how you're feeling responsible or taking responsibility for all the things that you're feeling and suffering. And it's now it's time to start creating strong boundaries Mm -hmm. of what those things are. Mm -hmm. Right. So like one woman I helped who was a chronic um, heroin user, uh, she was constantly feeling the continuous pain from her childhood, the continuous suffering of the world, the, you know, the continuous feeling of the pressure of her being a certain type of mother and, you know, and, and being responsible. So what we did was we first looked at the empathy of looking at her childhood Mm. and most people stay stuck in a loop with their childhood because they're trying to solve the big question mark of why did this happen to me? Or why did they do this to me? That's always the big question mark. And the way we look at it in in the way that I have used my shamanic knowledge and wisdom and African knowledge is to take the energy of that and dismiss it from the understanding of you will never know why this happened to you and you will never know why they did this to you because only they can know why they did this and what they did this for. All you can do is know that it happened. It was not pleasant. It was horrible. It was vile. It was vulgar. It was all the things. And then make a decision that you're going to move on from that question mark. The act of wanting to solve the riddle is the act of the wheel of suffering. It is the continuation of perpetuating the pain within your system. Because you have to remember, and a lot of people don't remember this, but 
you are what we call a multidimensional being and you have what are called quantum capabilities within your consciousness. That means that you could be sitting in front of an ocean and looking at the waves, but thinking about something that horribly happened to you in the past. Mm-hmm. Your cells, your body, and your emotions does not know the difference of time. So mm-hmm. it operates in it's happening again. Right, right. So as we're thinking about that, focusing on that, we're, it, it, we're actually there. 100%. Mm-hmm. Your body is not there, but your spirit is, your mm-hmm. mind is, and your emotions is. And so that all, those are the three guardians that need to be in that situation for you actually to be there. Mm-hmm. This is why people stay in just when someone goes from, comes to me and says, Shaman Derek, do you see me getting in a better relationship? I said, you're not going to uh-huh. get in a better relationship until you finally let go of the one that you were in and stop thinking about it. Uh-huh. Because the moment you stop thinking about it, you're telling your spirit, your mind, and your emotions to get out of that frequency mm-hmm. and to go into a new frequency. That means that you're not perpetuating because we live in a cosmic quantum universe Everything in the past becomes your next tomorrow, your next month, your next week. So what people don't understand is that whatever I say and think right now will affect me in a week from now, in a month from now, and four days from now. So the past always becomes our future. Mm. It's, never the, it's never the opposite. Where a lot of times when people would think about their future if they're thinking about their future with fear, that becomes the past. And then the very thing becomes a self, uh, a self, how do we say self fulfilling, fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy, self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's because human beings don't understand how energy moves and how time moves. Time is created to create a functioning mathematical Mm -hmm. process for us to be able to carry out uh, the things that we need to do, such as hunt and gather and weave and sew and be able to function with this, you know, with the, with this circadian rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. But we created that based mm-hmm. on sun and moon arrival. It's mm-hmm. not real. So your brain and your emotions and your spirit do not look at time the same way you look at time. Mm-hmm. Your conscious mind does because you programmed it to be able to say four o'clock, I have to be here. This is what five o'clock means. This is what 10 o'clock means. This is what 12 o'clock means. But your subconscious, your unconscious that communicate to your emotions does not see that. It sees whatever you focus on is where it goes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm sitting there thinking about this horrible thing that happened to me in my childhood, I'm carrying all of that back into my cells, all Mm -hmm. of that back into my emotions, all of that back into my life. And because it shows up, it then goes into the past and comes be, it becomes my tomorrow. The same abusive thing that happened to me in my childhood shows up in a relationship that I yep. go into. Yep. The same abusive thing that happened to me in my childhood shows up in friends that I surround myself with mm-hmm. and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. I begin to match the archetypes to my story and continue to forward my story because I'm still in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, deep. So can anyone heal? Yes. I, 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 like, I want people to like really, because I know some people might be wondering like, but, but, but I've tried Shaman Durek. I've, I've, like, is it possible for anyone to heal? Because I know that there are some people that feel like it's just my karma, man. It's just my, it's just, this is my karma in life. 
my grandmother had it, my great grandmother had it, and I have it. Or let's take a physical ailment for a moment. Um, cancer or, you know, diabetes or can anyone heal? Is it, or, or are some things, or are some things just someone's path? You see, the idea of someone's path, we don't relate to that in shamanism, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't look at a path as something like it's a path. We look at choices and every choice leads you to a certain destiny, right? Every illness that shows up yeah. is, is basically the medicine for your being's correction to come back into alignment of authenticity. Mm -hmm. So the re it's not that people can't heal. It's that people don't usually want to heal because mm. they don't want to come into true authenticity with themselves. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, brother, hold up. So, <laughs> so are you saying that when someone has a disease, something in them is out of alignment? Yeah. And that's, that's just the way it is? Absolutely. So, Think of a disease as the cure for your body. Mm. It's an opportunity for your body to say, okay, you obviously don't pay attention to my needs. You're obviously not checking into your truth. You're obviously not eating the right food. You're obviously not living in the right place. You're obviously not at the right job. You're obviously not in the right relationship. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm mm. going to call in this energy, okay, mm. which you call disease, but I'm going to create a malfunction in the system. Let's see if you see that as medicine or you see that as an attack, mm -hmm. if you see it as medicine, then you'll do what you can to correct the imbalances that led to this. If you don't, then you obviously don't really want to be here on earth. So then perhaps you should return home to heaven where you came from, mm -hmm. because there's no point for you to inhabit a body. If you're not going to live in authenticity, and if you're going to live by what your parents say or what you think society expects of you or what everyone you want people to see in you or you're going to take on negative things in a relationship, stay in negative relationships that don't really give you peace of mind. You know, one thing uh, Spirit once said to me, and I was in this deep, deep uh, journey in the in the jungle in Belize, and I was with this other shaman and I was asking the spirits in nature why we human beings go through so much suffering and pain. Mm -hmm. And you know what the spirit said to me? It said that because we are stubborn and we don't seek comfort, we seek to be acknowledged mm -hmm. and valued by mm -hmm. others. We don't seek comfort. We choose relationships. We know they're not good, but we choose to keep putting up with the abuse. We know so that the suffering. Mm. Yeah, we have like, we're, we're, we're addicts of suffering. We choose things that completely affect us in the most negative way. We mm. build devices that we know are killing us. We do things on the planet that is destroying the planet, even though we know there's going to be a consequence, but we don't care because in the moment it feels good. It feels right because it feels good. And so therefore I'm going to do it. Mm. Mm. So I can go through my life and look at all the choices I've made and see how I could have made very easy choices to make my life heaven on earth. But I didn't. This is true. And this is what the spirit taught me. And mm. so I said to myself, okay, 
This is very fascinating. So our thinking process when it comes to a negative thought, right? So I'll show you, I'll show you, Kut. Bring up a negative thought, any negative thought. It can be simple or it can be challenging, whatever it is, just bring it up and I'll show you really quickly what we do as human beings. Okay. It's not a big deal, but I have a negative thought. I mean, it seems, yeah, got it. Okay, and what is it saying? You know, just, just, just it, it's just, I have to work hard. Got it. Perfect. That's it right there. Perfect. That's it. You got it. Now say, um, I can enjoy life more and still be successful. Say that. I can enjoy life more and still be successful. Say anything else? A lot of it revolves around that. That's why I'm relating to what you're saying. Anything else? Say anything else. Oh, anything else? Anything else you want to say? No. Say you have nothing else to say? You have nothing else to say? Not at this time. But you just told me I have to work hard. You don't have anything else you want to say? Go ahead, say that. You don't have anything else you want to say? You told me I had to work hard. Is there anything else you want to say? You told me I had to work hard. Is there anything else you want to say? No. No. So you have nothing else to say? Say that? Mm -hmm. So you have nothing else to say? Not right now. Okay. Um, so you, do you want to say something to me later? Do you want to say something to me later? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Say, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. And what are you going to say to me later when, when Shaman Durek's not here? Let's keep working hard. Oh, yeah. I don't need to work hard because I need to work smart. And enjoy more of my life. I don't need to work hard so I can work smart and enjoy more of my life. Say, so is that what you did when you had a human body? Is that what you did when you had a human body? Yeah. Mm. And so you think, uh, so I've called you in to serve me? So I've called you in to serve me? So what are you, a taskmaster? <laughs> so what are you, a taskmaster? So you're basically here to enslave me because you were enslaved. Mm. See? You see? Yeah. Mm. Say it to it. So you, so, so, so you basically, you were here to enslave me because you were enslaved. Mm. So when I come out of this, then you get to go to the light. So when I come out of this, you get to go to the light. If I transcend this into the light. If I transcend this into the light which means higher consciousness, which means higher consciousness. Now watch this say spirit spirit. So you're not talking to the being. Now you're talking directly to your source consciousness, say spirit spirit. Bring the wisdom into my being. Bring the wisdom into my being of this truth of this truth. Now say, I want you to acknowledge I want you to acknowledge if working hard is the truth. If working hard is the truth. And what was the answer you got? It's not the truth. Right. Say, I want you to acknowledge. I want you to acknowledge. What fear you're holding on to. What fear you're holding on to. 
that called in this spirit to enslave you? That called in the spirit to enslave you. And what did they reveal to you? Yeah, it comes, it comes to working hard means acknowledgement. Working hard means validation. Working hard means worth, right? Right. Right. Now say, body. Body. How do you feel about working hard? How do you feel about working hard? Show me now how it feels. Show me now how it feels. And what did it, what sensation are you feeling? A little warmth. And I definitely, you know, the body's not like a fan of working hard. No, it's not. <laughs> and if your body's not a fan of something, isn't that you mm. not being in your authenticity? Mm. Mm. You see? So when you talk about disease and you talk right, about right. illness, Human beings were not taught how to communicate to the four guardians of their being. Watch. Say emotions. Emotions. You like it when the mind is hard, tells you, um, is, is hard on you to get things done. Do you like it when the mind is hard on you to get things done? Well, of course not. Absolutely not. So that's also, so the, your emotions is expressing to you, I don't like this abuse. Mm, mm. Whatever your mind is saying to your, because remember, the, 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 the way it's supposed to be is your spirit speaks to the mind. The mind mm. speaks to the emotions. The emotion speaks to the body. So you have four guardians. The four guardians are spirit, mind, emotions, and body. When the spirit speaks to the mind, it gives it correct wisdom. So then the mm -hmm. mind makes choices that are in alignment to your authenticity. But most people don't listen to their spirit. Mm. They listen to their ego. Yes. And the ego's job is to give you a feeling of security and safety and whatever it is you told your, the ego to do. Because remember, the ego follows whatever you tell it to. Think of it, your personal assistant, that mm -hmm. whatever you say the world, if you say the world is a horrible place, the ego will give you peer examples of why it's horrible so you can be right. The yes. ego's job is only to make you right. <laughs> Right. So that's what people listen to. They listen to the part of them that wants to be right. And that's why they don't change. So that's where this, that's where we come into what we call spiritual devotion. I won't call it spiritual work because the word work entitles slavery. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. spiritual devotion. It's devoting yourself to learning and understanding you, not mm -hmm. from a place of, I have to fix this, but from a place of, I get to embrace this. Mm -hmm. So anyone, can heal if they truly want to. Yeah. I mean, I was in a wheelchair and doctors told me I was never going to walk again. And I'm really? walking. Yeah. How, 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 what was the shift that happened that enabled you to walk? Well, tell me a bit about that, that, that experience and so process. When I, so I died in my late twenties going into my thirties. Um, I suffocated to death. I had a, my kidneys had failed and I went into a 10.6 potassium overload, which is bigger than what they give you on death row when they inject you with potassium. Wow. Um, and I went into cardiac arrest and died in the hospital. And 
when I came back, they had put me, induced me into a coma because they couldn't keep me alive. And then finally it took time for my body to adjust to stay alive. And they were able to resuscitate me. Um, I was, I couldn't use my hands. I couldn't speak. I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. Um, I, uh, whatchamacallit, I had brain damage. I couldn't use my, my extremities. And, um, you know, it was quite an experience for me to my whole life turned upside down because Mm. in that moment, I was always the type of person I was very OCD. Everything had to be a certain place in my house. Everything had to be a certain way. My ethics for doing things was always very like, you know, very, uh, army methodical. You know, I was very much planted in that type of way of operating. And then when I was in the wheelchair, I had friends and family having to bathe me, which was very, to me, very humbling and also very made me angry because I couldn't, I'm a very in self independent type person. So I'm a person who doesn't need people's help. And I always tell myself that like, I don't need your help. I'm fine. People will say to me, what can I do to help you? I'm like, nothing, just give more love to the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I can relate. Right. Because we're like, what do we ask for? Like, I'm an independent person. I don't want to owe you anything or be held into any kind of weird contracts with you. So I have this kind of like, I have to take care of myself. Right. And that gives me a sense of power. And it also gives me a sense of safety because then I know that I am doing it. And if it's, I don't do it, then it's on me. Right. So what happened was it wasn't on me anymore. It was on me needing to be taken care of by other people. Mm. And it was me having people in my home, moving things and making food and doing things that I would not have them do because I like my things a certain way. And I, one day I remember I just started screaming on the top of my lungs because my OCD was coming apart because I couldn't fix all the things they were touching and put it back the way I wanted to, because I was Mm. in a wheelchair and I couldn't have functioning with my hands or shaking like this all the time. So every time I went to grab something, it would fall out of my hands. Mm. So that was like a really great experience for me because it taught me how to surrender and how to let go Mm. and how to, you know, watch my ego, like literally have a temper tantrum. And I started, (laughs) I started having temper tantrums in internally and externally. (laughs) And then finally, when the temper tantrums were done and I was done hitting my head against the wall and screaming and cursing out life and God and everything in between and every person who was around me, then I could hear spirit Mm. and spirit said, are you done? We love you. Are you done? Your way has been, uh, you know, your free will that you've been using has been very destructive and your way of, of doing things because you have not been in full reverence and connection with what you are and who you are. And this will be a journey for you until you understand this. And I still am going through that, mm. but on different levels, you understand? Mm-hmm. So again, it was this, wow, my agendas are not really thought out properly in the way that I have them because they're not in harmony with all of my being. Mm. Mm. So humans agendas are not being acknowledged by spirit, then by the mind, then by the emotions, and then by the body. And if all four guardians are in agreement to your agenda, then it's going to happen in the most harmonious, authentic way. 
But if your agendas is actually causing some form of pain to your mind or to your emotions or to your body, then you're not in alignment and you're mm-hmm. not in authenticity. And if you keep doing that, eventually the body has to create something to yes. get your attention. Yes. So instead of saying that you're sick, it's actually your medicine. Mm-hmm. Your medicine is the illness mm-hmm. to, your, to you because you have become the predator onto yourself by your choices, by your behavior, by the way you talk to yourself, by the way you react to the world, by the way that you are eating, by the way that you are sleeping. It could be a multitude of different things. And so a shaman's role is to find out what those things are and to help you start understanding how to use your power, not our power, but your power into correcting those things and putting them back into harmony for you to be a harmonious being. Then you won't need the illness or the yeah. disease anymore. I love it. I love how you say the disease or the sickness is actually the medicine, and we we actually see it the other way around. Mm-hmm. But to see it as the medicine and, and a wake up call, an invitation to deeper alignment is a really powerful way to see it and a, and a profound invitation. Yeah, and a lot of people get upset about it when I say things like that because they think, "Oh, you're saying that we're choosing to be sick." It's not quite like that. Mm-hmm. It's you're choosing, you've made many choices yes. that your illness. Mm. It's not just one choice that you choose to be sick. And people keep writing that in the press about me. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you've made many choices from the food you eat to the environment. I knew a woman who was chronically ill because she lived in cold weather. When, she, when I asked her body, what do you need for health? The body said warmth sun, light. I cannot live in these cold temperatures. It's, and it's breaking my immune system down. It's breaking my system down. So once we moved, she moved away from cold weather and into a more tropical, sunny place, her illnesses went away. Yes. Mm. Mm. One woman was having uh, uh, chronic uh, headaches, back pains, all kinds of muscle issues. She started developing fibromyalgia, all kinds of stuff. And when I started doing stuff with her, we realized that her marriage was not giving her the love and the nurturing and the care that she really needed. The moment she got out of that relationship, her illnesses started going away. Wow. Not everyone is meant to be a vegan. Not everyone is meant to eat meat. Not everyone is meant to do yoga. Not everyone is meant to do Pilates or ice baths or whatever. Human beings like to follow herds or follow trends and follow these Mm -hmm. things. And I say, that's the death of society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because to thy own self be true. That is what is true. To thy own self be true. It is a very interesting thing when I studied religion, because that was one of the great things that my dad offered me was to be able to still train in shamanism, but also study Mm -hmm. religion. And when I studied religion, I got really deep. I used to take scripture and put it on the wall and highlight it and really analyze it and meditate on it. And it was this thing that Jesus said, which is to thy own self be true. First search the kingdom within your heart and therefore you shall find the kingdom of heaven outside of you. To uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven, they asked them, it didn't say beat up on yourself, be righteous, condemn (laughs) people, tell people they're doing the wrong thing. It said to come as a child. Yeah, must be like a child. 
must be like a child. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to people? Mm. When they're going around condemning people, telling people they're not good enough, beating up on themselves, withholding sex and joy and pleasure from themselves because. <laughs> but nobody's been to hell. Nobody knows the address, the airplane you take to get there. <laughs> Nobody knows what ticket, but everybody's got to talk about hell. Okay. Well, some people are in hell right now on planet They're Earth. They're creating right now. In, in their own selves, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Withholding themselves, judging themselves, persecuting themselves. That's hell. Mm-hmm. When I asked spirit, is there really a hell? They said only that which people create. I go, oh. Mm-hmm. So you mean there's no hell? They're like, only that which people create. It's their free will. If they choose for there to be a hell, there will be a hell for them. It's all free will once again. And that's what I learned as a kid traveling to the underworld was that when I would go to the underworld, there were all these different levels of the underworld and people were just hanging out there because they had unfinished business. They just were not ready to face the things that they needed to, to fully accept the light and go home. So a lot of them were like, please don't send me home. I'm not ready to go home. I can't forgive the fact that I burned down that church when I was a soldier or I did this, I did that. And I, and I, and I said, but I forgive you. And they're like, you do. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, you don't see me as a monster. I'm like, no. Mm. And then they're like, can you help me go home? I'm like, absolutely. Mm. And then I help them transcend and go home. I'd love for you to speak to something. And I'm loving this conversation is as a shaman. I want your thoughts on, because you're talking about the underworld, people that have done things in, in, in their human incarnation. Um, I'm going to mention this person because it's, it's a known person, John of God, as an example. You, you, you've heard of the stuff that John of God and he's in prison now and, you know, I don't know if I'd call him a shaman, but definitely a healer in the spirit realm, or at least so we thought. And I would love to hear your thoughts as a shaman, spiritual being, healer. What are your thoughts? Like, like, what are your thoughts when you observe something like this happening? Because it happens to various degrees you know, in this field and, you know, to hold someone's life and, and trust is, is, is a sacred responsibility. It's, 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 it's not like, okay, Harvey Weinstein was wrong, was not right, but he wasn't a healer, you know, certain people, but they weren't holding people's souls in a sacred context of trust. And so what's your perception of what, what a what occurred to someone like John of God, who seemingly for what decades has a ability, seems I've met people that swear by their experience of healing with him, yet 600 women came out, you know, from 14 to 60 that he raped them. And so and a lot of people see this and they're like, oh, that's the, people like that make it hard for a lot of other folks that are really doing authentic work. And so what occurs for someone like that? Was he crazy? Was he imbalanced? Is he just completely a fraud? And I love your perspective, wisdom, insight. 
So first of all, we just let me just make a distinction too, because you made a distinction about uh, being a healer versus someone like Harvey Weinstein. Any act of co- of connection, relationship should always be held sacred. It doesn't yes. matter if you're a healer, for sure. If you're a banker, or if you're a person selling someone a house, right? We all must start looking at the sacredness of interaction with each other mm-hmm. as the way of developing uh, an understanding of show of example of what a human being can be and what a human being can continue to evolve into, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not greater than or lesser than. Some people like to put it in that terms because they think, oh, because you're dealing with more spiritual things, or you're dealing with more health things, it's much more sacred. Every aspect of life and value of human being and connection to human being is sacred. Now, going into John of God, and that's a funny thing you brought up, because when I was in Turkey, John of God wanted to connect with me when I was doing a lot of my service in Turkey um, and do like a joint thing together, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I asked the spirits um, at the time, because everyone was like gaga goo goo over him. You know, I have to use that word because I have to use a baby term because that's how everyone was acting with their pacifiers in their mouth, all gaga goo mm-hmm. Everyone kept saying, oh my God, this is a big honor. Even my manager at the time was like, this is a big honor. You got to do this. Like he wants to work to do collaborations with you and, you know, and all this type of stuff. And so, you know, I, I went in and soul searched. And I asked the spirits, my ancestors, and I left offerings for them. And I, I got my message in the morning. In the morning, I was meditating and the spirits came to me and said, are you willing to look at everything with non-judgment? And I said, absolutely. Mm. They said, John of God is being um, uh, puppeted by, by spirits in the underworld who seek the energy from those whom which he serves. Mm. And that he doesn't even realize that he's doing it. He's unconscious and conscious of it at the same time. Yeah. yeah. He's aware that he's doing it, but he's not aware that he's doing it. And he actually sees himself doing something good and feels that there's no boundaries as to what he can do because the spirits are making him believe there are no boundaries. So when we say Mm -hmm. that he's aware of it and non-aware of it, it's because he's aware of it but he's not really aware of it because the spirits are manipulating him to make him believe that there is no boundaries. That's okay. Right. Mm. Right. And, and they're puppeteering him. So though they can feed off of the people's energies to, to keep the underworld strong, because remember I told you the beings in the underworld need light, but they need it distorted. They need a yes. human to use their free will in distorted mm-hmm. behavior to draw in the light, but not through the light, but through the darkness, Mm, mm, right? So the moment you come out of love and the moment you come out of love for another human being, you mm. are now able to feed the underworld beings. The moment you stay in love and stay in the principles of love, which is to love people and accept them no matter what, no matter the circumstance, you hold the fire of love and therefore the underworld beings can't mess with you, Mm, mm, right? mm. And so again, when people put curses on people, all they have to do is find something that the person is, is doing that is uh, detrimental to their light. And they'll use the curse on that to make it bigger. So it affects them. Right. That's all the curse is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> the spirits in the underworld say, well, this person constantly beats up on themselves. So the person putting the curse just does the spell on the thing that you are doing against yourself and just makes it bigger so then it affects your life in the most negative way. Mm. 
right? Mm. But that's all curses are. So how do you deal with curses? You start learning how to increase that flame, that love flame. So John of God was um, operating in his intention to do good, but not realizing that his intention was to serve these spirits because he never mm. used discernment. And see, that's the thing that I always say to people in channeling, when you channel so spirits through your body, when you hear voices speaking to you, even when people, when spirits talk to me, I teach my students all the time. You have to interrogate spirits. Yes. Yes. Loving interrogation. I call it loving interrogation and spirits of the light. Love it. When you do this, <laughs> spirit talks to me. The first thing I go is, um, how do you serve love? Mm. Mm. Now, if it's a spirit from the underworld, <laughs> they have to tell the truth. They can't tell you they serve love. They can tell you they serve God. Mm. So if you ask a spirit, do you serve God? And it's coming from the underworld. Of course I do. Cause they're serving you and your free will and you are the child of God. So they're telling the truth, mm. but you have to know the words to say, you see, human beings don't get the study. They don't study the, the under the, under the ancient scriptures, the words that need to be said to spirits to get them to give you the right information. So, so how do you, how, how do you serve love is, is a key question. Yeah. Like watch the spirit that's telling you to work hard. Say spirit. That's telling me to work hard. Spirit That's telling me to work hard. How do you serve love at its highest level? How do you serve love at its highest level? Nothing comes through. Of course, it's not going to answer. <laughs> Why would it answer that question? Then you will know if it's then you will know where it's coming from. The once you know mm. if a spirit's coming from the light or from the underworld, you want to help that underworld being go to the light so it can stop messing your energy because it's been serving your free will. So it's activating something in you that you are not wanting to shift or change or want to be stubborn about. This is what I meant when I said human beings create the suffering for the need to suffer so they can get what they want. Yes. Mm. Profound. And that Beautiful. is discernment. You have to interrogate all that you hear. Mm. Mm. Something comes and tells me something. A spirit tell, a sp all a spirit can do is suggest. Go that everyone is making fun of you. No one likes you. They think you're a fool. They think you're a loser. What are you going to do to teach them a lesson? The person's mm. like, I'm going to go get a gun. And uh, yes, go get a gun. That'll do it. Show them who's boss. And then the person shoots some people at school. And then the spirit goes, wow. <laughs> now you're just like me. I did that when I had a human body too. You're now you're dark. No one's going to ever love you. They're going to see you as evil. Why is the spirit doing that? Because the spirit's trying to support that person's uh, insecurities and so forth. And yeah. it's free will to bring that spirit to the darkness. It's feeding That's off of it. It wants it to feed off of its light mm -hmm. and then come join us. Mm -hmm. Come to the underworld. You're never going to forgive yourself. So you can't go home to the light because you have to accept everything that you've done. So in order to do that, you have to accept all that you did and you killed someone and no one's ever going to forgive you. So you shouldn't forgive yourself. So when you die, just come home to the, come to the darkness mm -hmm. and you, and, and you know, and we'll find a host for you too. Who's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. How do, how do you prevent, how do you, when you do your healings, you work with people, you're around people. And a lot of people have the sense of like, they feel drained when they work with people. They feel drained when they're in big crowds. How do you, do you protect yourself? Well, what do you do? I love, yeah, I love I for you to. I don't get drained and I don't get that energy because I create, um, uh, I'll show you how to do it. Say, I want you to acknowledge 
I want you to acknowledge a force field, a force field around your body now, around your body now and feel it and feel it. And tell me when you sense it. Yeah, I sense. I sense. Now say force field. Force field. Uh, Create unconditional love now. Create unconditional love now. See how the force field responds to you immediately? Mm -hmm. Because the force field has its own consciousness connected Mm -hmm. to your consciousness. So whatever you Mm -hmm. ask to do, it will do. So what I do is create a force field. Say force field, put me at the right place at the right time, meeting the right people who have love, intention, and consciousness that we can create beautiful things. Force field, uh, don't, attra- don't take in any negative energy from the people outside and don't take on their problems. And I just use my powers to create, create yeah. uh, that space. And then when I come home, because I'm around my kids and around my fiance, I take down my force field because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. But when I go out into this world, it's force fields up, baby. Beautiful. You know, last few questions, um, Derek. I'm, I'm really, uh, it's been a beautiful, I feel like we could talk for, for the whole day. <laughs> we could, you and I. We have so much uh, to share with each other. Listen, um, a lot of folks looking at the world now, if you turn on the news, right? The recession, 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 people going into fear. Um, the last few years, COVID, pandemic, the world changing. Um, there's a lot of folks feeling anxious and nervous about the times that we are in, the times that we're going through. Uh, as of you and I talking right now, I think it's literally in the U.S. at least it's midterms, elections, and so instability. And and when you look at the world from that spiritual lens, maybe even from the other dimensions, would love your insight as to folks that are wondering what the hell is happening on planet earth right now. What, what it seems like the world is gone, going a bit crazy. You know, the division, the polarity, the, the constant back and forth, war, like provide some perspective. Well, you have, we have to understand something. This is not utopia, right? <laughs> you and I have had this conversation before. Yes. Right? yes. You are living on a planet that is a place where human beings can project their realities into one another mm. and lit and experience them emotionally and physically. Now that is a very sacred um, attunement, but also can be very challenging for some when they're projecting those energies in, in ways that are, uh, how do we say, not acknowledging the greater whole of humanity, the animals, nature, and so forth, right? Human beings are still operating in this very dualistic, individualized perception of their own realities merging into other people's realities. Mm -hmm. And so therefore the conscious collective or the conscious engagement of responsibility, which means the ability to show up with love is not fully recognized. And so what people see as chaos is literally contractions that are happening on a very, very intimate level with humanity to get them to see that the simple, the simplicity of shifting from one frequency to the next is very easy. But the reason why they're making it not so is because they're still reacting 
to those who are projecting imbalance, mm. incorrect, and agitating frequencies of destruction, lack, limitation, scarcity, fear, mm. you know, uh, worry, doubt, shame, guilt, anger, hate, rage, racism, prejudice, you name it, okay? Mm. These frequencies are only gaining momentum because human beings continue to give them the attention, which is giving energy to the investment of to those energies by perpetuating them into the projection of their own system by reacting. Mm. The core relationship that is taking place right now is so beautiful because it's giving us an opportunity to see what happens when we engage in those energies versus create new ones. The Mm. nuance is so simple, but the way it feels seems like it's not. It feels like this huge problems that we've created. In fact, the spirit energy knows exactly what we need to do to correct all imbalances. But Mm. in order to do so, we have to let go of the very projection that we are creating through our reaction. So let me give you an example of what that means. A person says, I'm so angry. I can't believe this person is running um, for president. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Did it really have anything to do with the person running for president or was it just because they were already angry and now they're just projecting it onto something that they can actually qualify and validate? Yes. Amen. So isn't the very act of behavioral situations that are taking place on the planet showing up as an example of what's been going on internally within the people? Yeah. And isn't it an opportunity for human beings to see that the projected realities that they are experiencing are only the internal actualizations that they've mm-hmm. been creating inside through thought and emotions? Mm-hmm. And that if they truly seek to see change on the outside, it will require them to actually do the internal devotion to seeing where they are operating from their true core ideas and thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Nothing can agitate you from the outside. This is something I really observed with the whole thing that happened with Stalin and Hitler. It wasn't that Hitler had the ability to manipulate the people to going into this type of uh, Nazi regime. It was that the people already had the anger and hate inside of them. And all he simply do, all he did was give it a voice and corral and put them into what we call a grouping of, of their, of that same behavior and just amplify it yes. into a force called, um, you know, might makes right. Right. So it's the idea of using force to make something change. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what our system does all the time. It's like, you can't stop paying bills because then the IRS will come for you, right? So there, everything has a, a, a penalty attached to it to punish you or hurt you if you do something. So human beings have to understand that that's first created in our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our creator. How does human beings ever think they're ever going to come out of slave consciousness and out of the relative behaviors of punishment versus reward if they continue to be afraid of their own creator. Mm. Being afraid of their own creator creates a subconscious relay that only makes them afraid of themselves because they're what? 
a part of God. Yes. So if you're afraid of God, then you're afraid of yourself. Mm. And if you fear God, you fear yourself. Mm. And if you think God judges you, then you're definitely judging yourself. And if you think God should punish you, you will definitely be punishing yourself. <laughs> Sleep. Mm. Right. It's quite mm. simple, really, but we make it more convoluted and more, more, more difficult because we like to, we think that we're smarter because we think more. And so we think the more we think, the more smarter we are. When in truth, it's literally common sense. Yes. Common sense is literally what spirituality is. It's not that you do yoga or you meditate or you take ayahuasca <laughs> or you go do anything that you think is spiritual. It's your willingness to evolve is what makes you spiritual. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love the, the quote, spirituality is common sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, brother, um, so much. You said so much. Last question. And, and you can take this wherever you want to take it. If you were to reflect on your life, you've been through a lot. The three most important things that you've learned in your lifetime, this incarnation, that if you could, like these three wisdoms, if you were to pass these three wisdoms to the next generation, like these three wisdoms I'm going to pass to my children, my grandchildren that would evolve their consciousness the most. Like this is the three wisdoms I want to pass on. What, what are the three wisdoms, three lessons, three learnings you'd love to, to pass on to the next generation? I would say the first wisdom is to not be so concerned what people think. And realize that everyone who judges you is only showing you where they are in their evolution of thought. It has mm. nothing to do with you. The consciousness of humanity in judgment is only showing them where their restraints are, where their restrictions are. It doesn't mean anything what they're saying about you. And so I would definitely pass that on as a wisdom. Because mm. I think the greatest calamities that we suffer on planet Earth is what we feel people will think about us, how we see people will see us and what people, what we want to appease within people in order to be validated. And all of those things create uh, levels of discord within our system. Mm -hmm. uh, the second value that I would um, uh, bring to, uh, to that wisdom would be for people to always be playful and, uh -huh. and funny and, and, and not, take things so seriously and to find the the playfulness in all experiences it doesn't yeah. matter what it is if you miss your airplane flight be like oh i missed my flight well you know that's a wonderful thing <laughs> always you know going into making drama out of nothing mm -hmm. You know, it is to truly be playful, be a child, be be open, be free, be willing to hear anything, experience anything, taste anything, try something and then decide if you like it or not. Instead of just deciding based on what you think society would accept or what your parents would accept or what you have built inside of yourself is your own prejudgments of what you will and will not do based on how you think people would see you or, or value you. But you being able to say like, this is my life on earth. And 
I want to experience something. Like I remember when I was young, I always wanted to experience what it was like to have to kiss a guy because it was told it was wrong and you couldn't, can't do this thing. Guys shouldn't kiss and guys shouldn't cuddle. And I wanted to do it and see what it felt like. And I did it. And it was the most amazing thing. One, because it was taboo and uh-huh. two, because it was a new experience outside of my brain. My mind was like, no, this is wrong. You can't do this because it was mm. conditioned. I wanted to break the condition and see what would happen to me. Mm. What would happen if I stepped up to this wall of screaming inside and did something completely off field than what it would be. And when I did, all of these walls came down. And this whole new vision opened up inside me. New powers came through me. New feelings arise in me. It was like a barrier. And so I would tell someone to look at the barriers that they create mm. and ask themselves, why is it there? And if I decide, why, why can't I be a rebel to that barrier? Mm. And mm. what will happen And that's the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of thou shall not pass. Thou shall not eat this because then you will know what it is to be a God as the garden of Eden and Adam and Eve was portrayed to not eat from the forbidden tree. When the forbidden tree, all it did was give them knowledge. Mm -hmm. We create forbiddens all the time. Yes. All the time. And are those forbiddens truly necessary for our truest, highest level of human adaptation and evolution? I say not, but for someone else, they may think it's better to be safe and be scared than it is to be free and to be Mm. happy. Mm. Beautiful. Brother, thank you for sharing so generously and freely. have nothing but just so much love for you, man. I love Um, you. Inspired by this conversation, folks, as you've been listening to the amazing Shaman Durek, best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, I want you to check out his work, check out his book. What's the best way people can find out about you, your work, your best website, all of that good stuff? They can check out shamandurek.com and they can, if they want to take some courses and learning how to, you know, be able to cross those barriers, they can do it at the Shaman School. Uh, they, I do lives on Instagram where I do um, free healings uh, for people on Instagrams where we do random healings. And, um, you know, they can even check out the podcast at Ancient Wisdom Today, which you will be fe- featured on very soon. I, I find that wherever they feel like they want to connect with me from, that's the best place for them. You know, I, I love people. I will always love people, no matter what, no matter what they say, no matter what they do. Mm. What I what I want for people is for people to see the potential of that love for themselves, and to know that creation loves them in in in, in like in the most intimate, loving way, where there's never ever been. You know, it's like the, it's like the it's the truth, which is that the fact that you are existing is the only only part of you that needs to know that you've been validated mm. the fact that you exist means mm. you've already been validated by creation so you mm. don't need anyone else's validation so go out there and make magic <laughs> folks i hope you heard that the fact that you exist in and of itself is your validation uh, shamanjulet.com check out his work check out his book your life will be enriched 
share this episode with everyone in your life that you feel needs to hear it. I'm sure they'll be inspired. I'll see you next week. Love now. Shaman Dirik, brother. Big hug from afar. I hold you in my heart. Been an amazing episode full of wisdom and inspiration. Catch you next week, folks. Oh, by the way, send me an email. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I want to hear your key takeaways from today's amazing episode. Catch you next week. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.